a Highline podcast. Hello, welcome to the Whiskey Bench. I'm Stephen Torna. I am Kat Dwyer. How you doing today? <laughs> I'm good. Excellent. Yes. Excellent. Mm-hmm. We are here uh, on the evening of February 11th, mm-hmm. Friday, after the end of a, of a long work week, mm-hmm. but a good work week. Yeah. What are the updates? I mean, I know one of the big updates. Oh, the, my op-ed yeah. that I mentioned before is finally published. Yes. Took them a month, but it's out. It's okay. Inflation only like changed five times in that <laughs> month. What? Okay. So when you were first writing it, what was the inflation number that you had in there? It was 7% was last month. And mm-hmm. this month, the numbers we got on Thursday, it's 7.5. Nice. Yeah. Just keeps going up. Ooh. We're going to do half <laughs> a point every month. Well, we'll just see what, how, you know, so the market responds. Isn't that great? <laughs> I know. So that's available through AIER, which is um, the American Economic uh, Research Institute. Did I just get that completely wrong? I did. Yep. AIER, <laughs> American <laughs> Institute of Economic Research. <laughs> Dyslexia. Um, yeah. So it's on their website and we've shared it on Whiskey Bench's social media. So if you're interested... Give it a read. Hop on, give it a read. I have not had a chance to yet, but I'm excited <laughs> for some weekend reading. Yes. And nice, light Saturday morning yeah, reading. <laughs> exactly. I, it might end up being a Sunday read. We'll see. There you go. I think yeah. I'm painting tomorrow, but ah. TBD. We'll, we'll find out. And you finished your cabins. Uh, yes. Finished up that job. Nice. Got all the windows in. Everything's trimmed. Fabulous. It was an absolute slog fest. <laughs> yeah. But it turned out great. So okay. it was it was worth it. I saw two moose. Oh, how fun. Which is great. I yeah. was uh, talking about how last year I, I just didn't do enough. I didn't go out very much. And so mm. I didn't, it was, I think it might've actually been the first time in the entirety of my life that I hadn't seen a moose. Oh, in, like in a in whole a, year you yeah. hadn't seen a moose. Yeah. Oh man. I was like, oh, that's kind of a bummer. Yeah. I've only seen a moose once. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh my first trip into the woods was when I was like ten days old. So yeah, so you've been um, I've been in the, amongst the moose. Yeah. <laughs> um. So it was super cool to see the moose and beautiful weather all week. And where where did you see the moose? Uh, right near Georgetown Lake. So hmm. up in the mountains in the woods. Hmm. How neat! Just majestic. Yeah. They're huge. They're huge and scary. Yeah. Uh, this is not a part of the news and brews. Just last week, uh, I want to say it was in Alaska, there was a couple teams of uh, dogs and sleds, and they got attacked by a bull moose, and like this bull moose rampaged, and one of the, what do you call a dog sled operator? The conductor? Sure. One of the doggy conductors (laughs) emptied the entire magazine of his handgun into the moose, and it continued to like, I think, trample a couple people. Oh my God. Trample... A bunch of dogs. They had to cut the dogs loose so they could get away. <laughs> they had to heli vac out a bunch of the dogs, and a bunch Damn. of them were in critical care. Wow, they're scary creatures. What does a moose? So it tramples and does it like lower and try to like 
spear bang you around with its ah uh, they i know they're antlers. good at kicking and stomping yeah they're really tall they're really tall and if, <laughs> like a horse but way bigger a horse can like kick someone in the face mm-hmm. like really easily and now imagine something with longer legs and it would right i mean yikes it'd be terrifying to get attacked by a moose but i really like moose do they know what like pissed the moose off like why did he attack who knows yeah. territory right just big angry bad moment yeah <laughs> yikes so don't mess with moose totally the one time i saw a moose was up at um west rosebud mm-hmm. and um it was a moose i'm assuming like a mother moose and her young and they were just like drinking water in the middle of the river and i was in my truck on the road safely mm-hmm. at a good distance and it was really beautiful Oh, baby moose are really cute too because they're all lanky and like kind of awkward. Yeah. 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 It was it was a nice sight. But I've seen moose cross some wild rivers. I bet. Like even baby moose. <laughs> they got those long, lanky legs. Yeah. And so it's, it's pretty crazy. They can plant really yeah. solidly. They can get through deep snow. <laughs> I'm just thinking about all the great moose memories I have. <laughs> so yeah, that was, that was kind of like the highlight of the week. Yeah, totally. That's fun. No, no complaints there. But hopefully I am back and not going anywhere for a while as far as leaving for work. Right. That would be nice. Nice. And you have to paint tomorrow. Do you get to relax this weekend other than? Yeah, I think I'm going to paint for like four hours tomorrow. Okay. Cool. See what that turns into. Right. <laughs> yeah, sure. I feel like your work days are always a lot longer yeah, than you project. Today was a la- I didn't. I didn't work today, which was great. So shout out to guys I work with. They just kind of like left me alone. Nice. And so I just prepped for this and. Did a little stuff in the garage. A little bit of work from home. Nice. There you go. No complaints. Mm-hmm. All right. We got a beer tonight, guys. And uh, this is one I think I've mentioned. And it's been in my refrigerator for like a couple weeks. So I'm excited to bust into it. First, it's uh, a banana bread beer. Smells like banana bread. Very subtle. Right. I was worried that it was going to be like Laffy Taffy banana. Totally. Fake gross. But no, not at all. No, this is really nice. Yeah. It's light. Very, very light. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I mm. thought it was going to like feel thicker yeah. and richer and not at all. Like you could you could sip on a couple of these and not be like full. Oh, yeah, no, not at all. It's like a nice amber mm-hmm. with some banana. So yeah, it's a beautiful color. This is from Eagle Brewery, their banana bread beer. Eagle Brewery is out of the UK, I believe. Uh, imported by St. Killian Importing Co., out of Massachusetts, but uh, it's from Bedford in the UK. And so this is what they officially say about this beer, the banana bread beer. To this day, Eagle Brewery embraces different perspectives. It means that while others may move cautiously, we soar fearlessly. Their logo is obviously a giant majestic eagle. It says, take a different view. Fresh bananas pick a whole bunch of aromas. Wait. Fresh bananas pack a whole bunch of aromas, <laughs> while rich multi hops deliver a seriously fruity flavor, all perfectly balanced by a masterful blend. So there we go. It's a, a malt lager, 5.2% by volume, uh, and it's hopped with Challenger and Styrian Goldings. Cool. Shout out to the UK. Do you know what Styrian Goldings are? I have no idea. I'll look it up. Some tort, some sort of <laughs> fancy hop. All I know is that a few years ago, like when everyone started making hazy IPAs, 
they all use this hop called the Aurora hop. Mm-hmm. And that's why every damn beer tasted the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Luckily, we've gotten away from that. And now it's not like, oh, no, it doesn't matter what IPA I order because they all taste the same. Right. <laughs> it's actually exciting now. I really like an amber. Yeah. And there aren't that many. I haven't come across that many on tap in Bozeman no, lately. No, not, not at all. Yeah. It's hard to find them. Um, I feel like it's like a plethora of IPAs, lagers, and then like really, really intense, rich stouts. And, and like and now, stuff. now the trend is like dessert stouts. Right. Which, and they're like syrupy candy. I can't handle that oh, at all. You can't do it. No. I like them. I know a, you, you can handle a, a little, little bit, bit, like a little taste. Yeah. I would get an immediate <laughs> headache. You're like, no, I can't do it. Like puke. <laughs> so we'll we'll, uh, we'll mix things up. We might have to do a couple episodes where we each have our own beer. Oh right! And maybe we'll just well, look, take a sip. I'm a good sport. Maybe I'll have just like a little drum. That's what I'm thinking. With just like a, a taste or beer. Just a taste, and then we'll have something a little uh, on the lighter. And because I've mentioned this before, like I can't do a whole one either. There's times where a 12 ounce bottle I have to split with three people. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, this is like drinking molasses. Yeah. And then if they're like barrel aged, then you start getting like really pungent, like strong bourbon mm. flavors. And it's just, yeah, it's a lot from a little palate. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So we are here again with another episode of News and Brews. Mm-hmm. Again, quite a bit of interesting news floating around. The whole Ukraine stuff is going absolute nutter butters right now mm-hmm. uh, in the last two days. So the 10th and today. Statements by Putin, requests from Canada to like get everyone in the Ukraine out. Biden just announced that he's doing an emergency meeting with Trudeau, and which I'm like totally confused about because didn't like Putin signal that he wasn't. Which of course all of this is like games, mm-hmm. right? But everything I was reading and hearing up until today was suggesting like, yeah, Putin's just bluffing. He's not going to invade. We need to find like a diplomatic way, like give him a diplomatic way to like bow out, give mm-hmm. him some kind of concession so he he can back off. And then the next headline I saw was like Biden saying we should get every American out. It's hard to know what is it actually is really happening. hard to know. And I don't know. Again, we'll dive into our actual topics here soon, but yeah, this yeah. is going to be future news that I'm sure we'll dive into but you know i don't know who may have uh watched the interview that was uh with putin oh yeah you told it was me like about a, this six months ago or something <clears throat> yeah it was like an hour-long interview and it was during that time where like biden wasn't going to any press conferences mm-hmm. putin is a shark and like he he can smell biden yes and so I don't think that he cares or thinks that Biden is remotely capable of anything. No, that's why he's doing this yeah. now. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, look, and I could be eating these words later. I think he is bluffing and just trying to get concessions out of the West. And that is exactly what he's going to get. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been the Russian strategy is to just kind of like nibble around the edges and slowly destabilize. I don't think he's going to be... Again, I could be eating these words in a couple of weeks, but I don't think he's going to be rolling troops 
into Ukraine. Of course, they did with Kiev, so maybe I'm yeah, or Crimea, so maybe mm-hmm. I'm wrong, but or will be wrong. But it kind of seems like he's just like blustering to get concessions. And it feels like the Biden administration is trying to overcompensate because of what a fucking mess they made out of Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And so they're trying to like do the opposite. And it's just really messy. Yeah. So. Agreed. So that out of the way, we have two stories this evening. I'm going to do a little bit of a dive into the recent machete attacks in the Congo. I want to say that was like, what, six days ago? Being out of town for the week kind of messed up my uh, my timeline here. But last week, big attack in the Congo. I think 55 people were killed by machete, by some rebel groups. Very, very sad and kind of a just a wild situation all around. What are you, uh, what are you planning on dishing out tonight? Just some interesting revelations about the Black Lives Matter organization and their finances and their leadership. Uh-huh. Okay, sounds mm-hmm. good. I don't know much about that at all. I haven't been keeping up with that, so I'm excited to hear about this. How do you want to order this this evening? You want to start with the Congo? Let's maybe start with the sad Congo situation. Yeah, that sounds good. That sounds good, because it is kind of uh, horrifying, truly. Right. Uh, Right off the bat, this is a story that is, I just can't really fathom, has got really no coverage. I had a really hard time finding anything. I've got one story here from the New York Times, which... Props to them. They ran a story, and it's a full-length story. Whereas some of the other things, I found a, a short clip from a French 24 channel where they did like a one-and-a-half-minute story on it. Saw like a 45-second clip from the New Yorker or the New York Post. I can't remember. Yeah, probably New York Post. With just some images and text. And then... The only place that I really saw coverage on it in social media was things like Atlas News uh, and then some of the the similar sites, which, by the way, Atlas News got deleted again. Did it really? For a third time for suspicious activity. I mean, they literally just like report on international international military military operations. Uh That's like. There's nothing. There's nothing. That's absurd. It's absurd. Jesus. And so he just hit 200,000 followers after like losing his account like a month or two ago. And now he's going to have to rebuild. He's building. He's He's got backup accounts, right? He does. But like most of them are just kind of idle. They don't have a ton of followers. Yeah. Um, But he is working on building out the Atlas News website, Mm -hmm. which is going to be amazing. Oh, that's good. I'm excited for that. It's going to be a good I mean, yeah, screw it. Create your own. Mm -hmm. He's got a mail list going and everything. Nice. So if you guys like international news, predominantly military operation oriented, awesome place to get information. Is that where you first came across this story? Uh, Yeah, that's actually where I first saw it was him posting about it. And then I was like, why isn't this everywhere? And even like with the the New York uh, Times, I didn't see it posted on um, social media at all. I had to dig on their website to find it, yeah. which is really, really a bummer. Like I said, in the Congo last week, there was an attack on a refugee camp. Um, the Congo is full of refugee camps since the late 80s. Obviously, there's been a lot of conflict with surrounding regions. You have Uganda, uh, Rwanda, and Congo. All in that area, they've been in war. There's been terrorist operations for decades. And so right now there is something like 6 million displaced people 
due to this conflict. And so the UN has all of these refugee camps set up in like eastern Congo. And the one that was attacked had something like 24,000 people at it. They attacked a UN yes. refugee camp. Yes. Wow. Um, they raided it and using machetes ended up killing 55 people, the majority of which were women and children. This is something that has happened consistently for decades. Um, but like in the last three years, it's been getting worse and worse. I think something like 800 people died since April in like attacks. Wow. Um, mostly with um, machetes, yeah. spears, and arrows, and then and they have what I mean, they have firearms, um, but they use. No, it's like culturally they yeah. use machetes. Yep, yeah. and so it's really gruesome. You know, trying to dive into this, it's something that I wanted to learn more about, just the whole conflict, because everyone knows about some of the atrocities of like the late '80s and the '90s, but I didn't know much about conflict in that area in recent in recent history. Honestly, it's kind of hard to find good information on it. I really dove in and tried to find some history, try to find some good reporting. And from, you know, three years ago, I, I was able to find some actually really good vice documentaries on conflict about the different groups organized. You know, there were some Wall Street Journal pieces from a few years ago, and it was kind of eye opening. And so sadly, I don't know that much about it. But what I did uncover is is pretty interesting. So the Congo is in a weird position where they have a very destabilized government because of the wars with Uganda and Rwanda um, in the last like 30 years there's a lot of ethnic conflict there's a lot of remorse among people groups which fuels some of these tensions and fighting you know you have struggles amongst these militant groups for control Congo is incredibly wealthy and resources that's where most of the cobalt comes from right and so you have horrible exploitation of people which we've mentioned before as far as cobalt that the west uses for yeah you know clean energy and stuff like that and our phones and our solar panels yeah. and our electric batteries. and uh, you have groups fighting over that you know there's a lot of of wealth you've got groups of people that see the value in that and think that the government is kind of leaving the people out of the wealth to be extracted um so there's conflict there. And so there's this really interesting kind of a triangle where you have the current government that is now hiring military groups, warlords from like the last 30 years and in the last wars, recruiting like war criminals and warlords to join the military to then try to defend against these groups of terrorists and rebels that are making these attacks on UN refugee camps. And then there's also conflict within the country because the UN is really failing at protecting the people. But you have this logistical issue of 6 million displaced people. Right. And so it's crazy. And in the last few years, there's been a lot of UN... Um, Forces that have been killed from rebel groups. The attack that occurred a few days ago was done by a militia group named Kodeko, which there's a lot of interesting reporting on that group as far as their motivations. Again, a lot of people are trying to figure out these motivations. To further complicate it, you have, I think it's the ADF, or the IDF, which is another, it's a terrorist group that the UN has labeled a terrorist group. 
So they're Ugandans that started this terrorist organization in Uganda, in the Congo, and they are trying to implement a Islamic state under Sharia law. Right. And so there's infighting there. So like the Kodeko see that as a threat and then see the government as a threat and they're all attacking these different ethnic groups for whatever reason. Um, a lot of the motivations are unclear. And Kodeko stands for cooperative for De- development of Congo. Mm-hmm. And then the, I don't remember what uh, IDF stands for, but it's, it's messy. It's disgusting. And so looking into it, you know, there's just for decades been distress and uh, fighting and uh, I had no idea. There's something like five and a half million people that have been killed in the Congo since 1988. Holy moly. It's just been completely unstable. Yes. And so now... This and then of- like foreign forces go in and exploit it for its resources. And there's no stable government and people are just like... Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's it's just a completely exploited place. It's really from every from the inside and from the outside. Mm-hmm. That's horrifying. It's it's horrible, and so you have millions of displaced people that are just sitting ducks, unsure of of when atrocity will right. will happen to them. Right, and it, this ties into a lot of our discussions that we have talking about intervention and aid and things like that, which we'll have to talk to more and more. You know, the UN has not been successful in their efforts of protecting these people. They also are having problems with UN finding corruption and being bought off by certain groups. And so there's distrust among these displaced peoples, even for the UN. Sure. Well, what good has it done at this point? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, it's if the UN's been there trying to help for decades and it has I mean, it's, not gotten it's, better. It's just an occupying force at that point, right? right? Yeah, exactly. So it's interesting to see, yeah. like, you know, how many people were upset about U.S. forces like in Afghanistan. And as I'm looking into this, I'm like, well, what's the difference of UN occupying the Congo for right. a decade? Right. The only difference is, like, a lot more people have died there. And so... Fuck. It gets really messy. And now, you know, you think about, you know, I've been seeing reports, the people that are paying attention to this, they're like, well, the U.S. needs to do something. I mean, why? Why? But like, yeah. how how do you, you know, how do you fathom this? Like, it's, There's it's a lot of hard like to, American missionaries that are doing things in the Congo. I know that. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. you know. Yeah. And so it's just, you know, you look at that and you're like, wow, this is a problem that. Seems insurmountable. And I, I don't know what the answer is, but diving into this and reading about it, like it's very uh, heartbreaking. Yeah, it is heartbreaking. And, you know, you just, it, it definitely puts things into perspective of of how peaceful um, we have it. But like, right. just interview after interview and story after story of a woman being like, well, yeah, we were attacked and I got away with two of my children, but my husband died and five of my kids were killed or like a kid that's like, well, my parents were killed. And this is this is also fueling the ethnic conflicts among these groups, regional groups right. of people like you can't I mean, you can't fault someone for hating another group of people because they murdered your family. Sure. But yeah. it's this compounding issue. And then there's a whole host of I haven't paid attention to this Mm -hmm. in a long time but i remember 
knowing about sort of the problem with uh, orphaned children in mm-hmm. the Congo and how in particular, I mean, the women are kind of just, it's essentially, you know, they're just slaves. Um, mm-hmm. But the young men, I mean, little boys get drafted into different militias and, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, and this is another thing that, that as I was reading about this, this other group, not Godeco, but the, the IDF, mm-hmm. they're, I mean, form or trying to form an Islamic state. And part of that is like, they have militia of women that are also sex slaves right. that they basically breed and then make encampments where they create jihadists for the movement. And so it's like you start learning about these things and you're like, holy moly. Yeah. And, but, but the argument, the counter argument for the UN being there and the U.S. wanting to do it is it could produce something later down the road like jihadist groups and things like that. So is it an international security issue? Like, oh, I see. What you know mean. what I'm like saying? That's, like, our, that's right. where we have a stake because mm-hmm. they might eventually try to attack mm-hmm. the U.S. Right, right. Which I don't think is a good. I mean, right. that's, you could follow that logic to <laughs> lead you anywhere. Right, exactly. <laughs> to I'm not saying it's good, good logic, but sure, yeah. there's definitely some, some talk going around. But yeah, you know, like I said, this has been going on in same machete attacks and and slaughters have been occurring for years and years and like i didn't even know yeah so i would say this is uh very underreported right now sure Um, but thank god we're talking about joe rogan fuck i know (laughs) how many news articles Uh, it's all anyone's talked about for weeks and i know there's a lot of other more important things happening in the world that's a particularly i mean it's just like heartbreaking and as you said, it, it seems insurmountable because when you have that level of instability, nothing productive can happen. Mm-hmm. You can't plan anything. You can't try to produce anything. Your children can't learn. You know, like you just it's just this like endless cycle. You know, it's yeah, I don't know how anybody ever breaks out of that. I mean, that's where it's like somebody has to win. And even if they're like horrific, like, you know, how do you like at some point the violence has to stop. Mm -hmm. And typically that means some side has to win for that to happen. And I don't know. That's horrific. Well, I'm glad you shared that. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, I I don't have much, you know, more to add to that. Yeah. um, Just very, very saddening and and hard to kind of forget that for sure. Well, I think it's good for privileged Americans to be reminded of how lucky we are. So mm-hmm. that's, I'm glad you shared that. I don't know how to pivot. Yeah, no, there, there's no pivot, but we'll, no pivot. we'll change gears. I, I would encourage anyone just to, to look into that and maybe learn a little bit about what's going on. And We'll share the links and yeah. show notes. Yeah, I've got a few few links to a couple good videos and a few few articles. So we're going to take a quick break. Then we'll be back to our conversation. If you like what you're hearing, help spread the word by leaving a five-star rating and one or two-sentence review on your favorite streaming platform. Thank you to Reagan James for the use of our theme music, The Habit, off her album, Message. Find her work on Spotify and Apple Music. Thanks to the Highline Media Network for having us as a founding podcast. 
Here's a quick preview of a recent episode from our sister show, Keller's Couch. Like people kept saying McBee, and I was like, oh, Macbeth? And then, yeah, literally everyone's like, what? You don't say that. It's like, what the f***? That's amazing. Uh, theater yeah. people are weird. But yeah, yep. so you can like say it right now, mm-hmm. but you can't say it. you're not in the theater. You're not in the theater. That's right. Oh. Again, what he said, but my voice. Because yeah. like, I've, I like, I've been in some plays before yeah. uh, in high school, and that, that's it. But uh, so... You've done plays? I've done Come plays. Come on, man. I was in Fiddler on the Roof. <gasps> I was in... Uh, How do you feel about plays? I love plays. They're I love plays. Those are different because you memorize lines Because you stuff. memorize yeah. the yeah. lines, yeah. and yeah. It, there's no improv... And you just you know your she says your that stuff. he's wrong though. There's lots of improv in theater. Ryan, I mean, you're such an enigma. You to are. Me. You're, I know. You're a what is that <laughs> phrase? You're an enigma wrapped in a you're something in a whatever. Edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> cut that. Cut that. Cut that. Cut it. That wasn't good. That wasn't good. <laughs> cut, 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 that cut. wasn't my best. And now back to our conversation. Well, the story I was going to share is um, about the. Black Lives Matter organization and some controversy that's been brewing regarding uh, their leadership and their finances. So, and just to kind of, I don't know, I guess like set, make this conversation a little clearer. There are a lot of different like chapters and offshoots of BLM some that are like officially affiliated and some that are not. Mm -hmm. So what I'm referring to tonight is the uh, Black Lives Matter Global Action Network, which is what was founded. Like 2016, when was this? um, Shortly after the killing of, yes, Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri. So after his shooting, that was kind of when Patrice Kahn Cullors is one of the three founders of BLM. She's when we started the hashtag Black Lives Matter after that shooting and the controversy around that. Um, this was during the uh, Obama presidency. And anyway, so and then they kind of, you know, had a bit of a flare up of media attention and funding and then died down. And then, yes, after George Floyd's killing in 2020, they raised a ton of money. And so this portion of the story, I think probably most people are familiar with. So they kind of came BLM the Black Lives Matter Global Action Network, BLM, G-A-N, technically, um, came under fire from other like local black activists after um, the New York Post reported that one of the founders, Patrice um, Kahn Cullors, who was BLM's then executive director, um, had spent $3.2 million on real estate. And so I just kind of like drew scrutiny People were wondering, like, are you using like funds from the organization to buy all this property? And how did you make all this money? And and so she uh, and and the reports of this spending came out after uh, BLM disclosed like their finances from 2020. Uh, they disclosed them in February 2021. So they closed. They had raised more than 90 million dollars in 2020. Uh, they spent 8.4 million on operating costs. They distributed $21.7 million in grants to more than 30 organizations, some of which are totally questionable, like run by friends and mm-hmm. family. Bizarro things that like don't have websites. And then they retained about $60 million in like their coffers. 
So so anyway, so after they released their finances, I think they thought that that would because there were a ton of groups like grassroots groups that were like, what are you doing with all the money you raised? So then they finally like released their finances, which most nonprofits do annually. Like you have to. Mm -hmm. It actually drew more scrutiny because everyone was like, "Okay, well, you raised a ton of money. And like, what have you done with all the money? And um, and then when people found out she had spent all like millions on homes and stuff. Uh, there was kind of some fervor, and of course, they she denied that she used any like funds inappropriately. But she did. She, she stepped down as the executive director, and but and she said that she stepped down because she wanted to focus on other projects, including book deals and a production deal with Warner Brothers. So I'm assuming there's like a movie coming out in the next okay. year. Or so, and so she had appointed two different activists to sort of to take over. She was the executive director, and she when she stepped down, she appointed two activists to take over. Makani Themba and Monifa Bendeli, like BLM did a press release and like announced that these two people were taking over as executive directors. I guess they were going to be co-executive directors, which is sort of odd. But turns out in September this year, they both quietly or in, of 2021, they both quietly just announced that they actually never took the position. Okay. They never officially started because they couldn't come to agreement over things they didn't disclose what those things were but they there were disagreements between them and the rest of the leadership and so they never actually took the position so now there's like literally an open-ended question of who is the executive director and who is managing this money because right. in their official um, bylaws it states that the executive director explicitly quote shall have charge of all funds and securities of the corporation so oh so the executive director is supposed to be like in charge of the 60 million plus that they have sitting in their coffers and there's no executive director right now. So that's questionable, right? Yeah. So there's a question about who the hell is actually in charge. And then there's another question about like, how are they actually spending this money? So Maine, Connecticut, New Mexico, New Jersey, Maryland, North Carolina, and Virginia have all revoked BLM, GNF, Global I'm forgetting what the heck stands for again. <laughs> what does it stand for again? Global Action Network. So I wrote that acronym down wrong. Anyways, BLM, uh, they have all revoked BLM's charitable registration. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And Indiana's attorney general called it a, quote, scam. <laughs> then... In 2020, there were 10. This was sort of one of the controversies that led to more scrutiny around their finances and forced them to like disclose more of what they of their earnings. So in 2020, 10 different BLM chapters uh, were asking for like greater transparency from the head of the organization. And each of those 10 chapters disappeared from the BLM website. Oh, <laughs> and then <laughs> it's just like insane. And then this was another like controversy of last spring. Uh, there have been multiple families whose sons were victims of police violence who have come out and basically said like, fuck BLM. That's like not a real organization. They don't actually like do anything for like actual black people in these communities. So in March of 2021, two mothers of their sons had been killed, uh, came out and made a public statement. And they said, quote, we don't want or need y'all parading in the streets, accumulating donations, platforms, movie deals, etc., off the death of our loved ones. While the families and communities are left clueless and broken. Don't say our loved ones names, period. 
That's our truth. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and then the last little nugget I've got here. Um, there's a man named Chrisman Bowers. Chrisman Bowers. He is the deputy executive director. So a part of BLM, but not the executive director, not like the actual head leadership. And he's also treasurer of a group called Reform LA Jails, which is like one of the offshoots that BLM has given like a ton of money to. Mm -hmm. So in uh, 2020, Reform LA Jails collected $1.4 million and they spent more than half of that on grants to four particular recipients. So this gives you like a taste of how they spend their money. $270,000 went to Bowers Consulting Company, to his own consulting company. $211,000 went to Asha Bundel, who co-wrote the original, the Con Kohlers, who's the founder of BLM, mm -hmm. who retired, uh, wrote her memoir. She got $211,000. Okay. $205,000 went to a company that Con Kohlers operates with her spouse. Uh, and then $86,000 went to a company started by Damon Turner, who's the father of Con Kohler's child. Nice. So it appears, and nothing is conclusive and people right. are investigating this, but it appears that this has been a giant money-making operation yeah. to enrich people. And they're exploiting... Real problems and challenges. Yeah. Exploiting and passionate and, hurt people. <laughs> and, in, and inflaming tensions in the country. Right. That's in true. In order to raise funds for themselves. Which I don't think you or I, of course, would begrudge anyone for being successful in making money. No. But that's when you're producing a good or service that has value. Mm -hmm. If you're running a nonprofit and you're not even serving the community that you claim to be serving and you're literally just like raking in donations and then giving those that cash to like fake corporations run by your friends and family. Yeah. That's totally gross. You're just like the government stealing money They're from people. Like yeah. Oh my God. They are just like the government. So nice. there's some really good reporting. So um, I've got three stories that we can share in the show notes. Um, one is two are from like right leaning outlets national review and washington examiner washington examiner did their own investigation national review is just like reporting on other mm -hmm. people's stuff but the original story that like set all of this off and it's like long form it's really great and it's full of a ton of detail is from new york magazine nice by a black author who's like an activist left leaning like not someone with a political axe to grind like someone who was genuinely curious and was like in the trenches working with other activists and grassroots groups and started to realize like, wait a second, a lot of people don't trust the leadership of BLM and what's going on. Well, throughout so. the last two years, there have been a ton of people that were dubious of BLM and like a lot of people in the communities that they say that they're trying to represent that were like, please no, like you are causing problems here. Yeah. Like, your protests are destroying black businesses well, and, like, yeah. all of this stuff and fueling this. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's interesting to see that come to light. And it's good that this is being investigated. Yeah, and And hopefully is. the truth will be discovered. And more than that, hopefully some sort of right will be made. Yeah, totally. And people will get money back or it will no, be... No, no one's going to get any money back. Or at least maybe, some, maybe money can be distributed in some way. I just hope they get discredited yeah. and it falls apart. Yeah, 100%. Not like genuine aspects of that movement, 
but the crony bullshit that's exploiting people yeah, exactly. and stoking tensions for their own gain. I hope yeah. that falls apart. Oh, 100%. And I just, <laughs> like, at the height of the chaos after George Floyd's killing and all of the protests and rioting, I mean, I just, I feel like everywhere you looked on social media, there were, like, people who were raising funds. Like, every, you know, mm-hmm. like, woke, cool kid had, like, a link in their bio to some, like, BLM mm-hmm. charity. And I remember at the time just being like, they are going to rake in so much oh, yeah. cash. Yeah. And where is all this money going to go? And it turns out it's going to like book deals and right. <laughs> like all yeah, sorts exactly. of bullshit. And, um, which is no surprise homes. to me. And this is why when we've said this before. Like, <laughs> this is why like we don't attach ourselves to any group. Right. I know. And it's like you get, you get called out for it or whatever. Or, like people think poorly of you. Like, what do you mean you don't support BLM? I'm like, because it's a giant corporation essentially that has no accountability and it isn't <laughs> producing any real value mm-hmm. at all other than like a media yeah they're good at pr they're good at pr that's the, what yes, they're good exactly at. there's a lesson in this and they're also avowed marxists who literally say blatantly that they want to like destroy the nuclear family and like undermine free markets and like literally like separate children from their parents because they should be raised by the quote-unquote community like Mm -hmm. they're fucking insane oh yeah oh yeah and corrupt right (laughs) so it's just i mean corruption and marxism seem to go hand in hand they sure do well that's the whole other really funny thing in the new york magazine piece there's like quotes from people which like i'm so cynical i just laugh at it but like you know they're like shocked that these avowed marxists would be like spending more focused on their own you know like buying multi-million dollar homes mm-hmm. and and participating in capitalism <laughs> it's like well mm, yeah it tends to be how marxist leaders turn out they are always rich and taken care of <laughs> right exactly yeah and so this is a this is a good way to end actually there is a lesson in this and it's it's that don't outsource needs of your community to something so large that it has no accountability amen and this is this this is the same as government and and federal stuff like that Mm -hmm. but like if the blm organization really cared about what was going on they would decentralize their chain of command into autonomous chapters across the country that would allow states or even better, cities, to individually decide what is best for them and fundraise within your community and distribute funds within your community to where the community You know your particular needs. Yes. With local heads that can be held accountable. I don't decentralization is always better. I don't know if that's gonna be the lesson people take from this. Unfortunately. <laughs> no, probably not. No, they just have to put the right person in Yeah, charge. we just gotta try it again, but better. Right. <laughs> Good lord. Yeah. Or it'll be like, well, it's just because they didn't have enough money. They didn't have enough funds. There wasn't enough. There wasn't enough money to achieve their goals. Yeah. The amount of times that it's not a money issue is like the majority of the time. I know. <laughs> well, that's always what's so funny, especially right now, like you know, like with the so just briefly, I'll mention this, like the IRS had talked about rolling out facial recognition for this next tax season. Yeah. And then they got so much pushback from both sides that they like 
announced earlier this week that they were canceling that. Just kidding. We're not going to do that anymore. And which, of course, initially they were like, we have to. We have no options. And then now they're like, we'll do something else um, to improve security. And part of their claim is like, we don't have enough money to. To like handle our duties. And so, you know, we need like better security mechanisms and this. We have to work with this third party because we can't afford to do it ourselves and build the technology ourselves and blah, blah, blah. They got a I think it was like a 15 percent boost in their what's the term for it? Um, Like they're spending their funding yeah. for, for this fiscal year, which is a hell of a lot bigger of a raise than most Americans have had. Yeah. <laughs> which, Anyways, um, which gets taxed at 35 percent. Right. Right. So it's not (laughs) so like it's not a matter. It's often not a matter of there not being enough money. It's largely incompetence. What did I tell you the other day? The the IRS, there was reported that the IRS only responded to nine percent of like (laughs) basically customer complaints this last year. They only got to nine percent of them. And there are literally tens of thousands of outstanding tax returns from the previous year. Oh, I'm sure. I the, know. The IRS, I know someone who still hasn't gotten their tax return for the, last the year. The IRS will break down your door <laughs> to try to get like five dollars from you if you, because like this has happened to, to people that I know that like yeah. they make a mistake on their taxes and it might be dollars. Yeah. And like hell rains down on them. Right. And then it's like, oh, okay, but you actually are stealing and, and withholding money from me right. without interest. So a free loan. And I can't get a hold of anybody. Yeah. Right. I know. It's insane. Well, and that's and but, part of why they claim that they only answered 9% of calls was because they literally don't have enough like equipment in their office and they're like fax machines and printers are too old. And literally that was their excuse. Mm-hmm. But then again, they got like several like several millions more this year and like couldn't figure out how to yeah i don't know it's insane all right so i got a shout out to some random irs guy okay <laughs> talking about getting an ein which is like a, a, a basically a, a social security number for your business mm. and tying it with a business entity and and long waits An IRS guy told somebody that I know over the phone that if you have a really common-ish name, it takes a long time to clear. So, like, say you live in Bozeman and it's, like, Gallatin, whatever, because, like, Gallatin is so used or, like, Rocky Mountain or whatever, it can take, like, three, four, five weeks to, like, process that. Hmm. But the IRS guy was like, here's what you do. You just misspell it with like a Z at the beginning and it'll go through immediately and then you just make an amendment and be like, oh no, I misspelled it. And then they'll change it and so you can have it cleared in like a day. That is idiotic. That those are the loopholes that I know, we have to go. But shout out to the one man in the IRS doing his job. Right, yeah. <laughs> trying I mean, to help people. I'm glad he's trying to help people, but that's also absurd that that is the best way to go right. about And then you this. have the current administration being like, we should hire 70,000 to 80,000 new IRS employees. To find more money. No, Yeah, that was the idea. I forget how much he wanted to appropriate to the IRS from Build Back Better, but yeah, the idea was... Not to improve the current status, 
but so that they could they had some bullshit number they fudged that they were going to raise in revenue because mm-hmm. they were going to hire more IRS agents to find money that people aren't paying in their taxes. Like, let's maybe offer an increased salary to people that can uphold some sort of quota and then just fire and replace the useless people. Right. But when you're a, especially a federal employee, you like cannot get fired. I know. I just don't See want how that. many I, like I, useless. I don't want that to be true. Well, I know. Of course. <laughs> That's the problem. Yeah. Because none of it's run like a business. So there's just like unbelievable amounts of like grift and waste. Which to be fair, we are in this weird position where it's like, I don't want the government to run itself <laughs> like a business. What do you mean? Like, I'm like, nah, government shouldn't be in the business of doing business. Oh, but then also it's like insufferable how inefficient they are. Right. So I'm torn. Well, I wouldn't mind if it was run like a business and scale. If it was, I think like a vast majority yeah. of it would go away because it serves no real purpose. Right. But yeah, that was a tangent. That was a tangent. But that was fun. <laughs> This is the stuff we live for. Oh, gosh. Well, that was News and Brews. That was News and Brews. Until next time. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Hey gang, Keller Paulson here. I know what you're thinking. What's going on? Who is this guy? Am I right? Well, I'm the host of Keller's Couch. Now, Keller's Couch is an interview podcast where I, Keller Paulson, interview people I find interesting that are doing cool things in the community. But it's not just that. My friends at Slapstick Improv and myself, we also do some improv comedy and sketch comedy every other episode. So, if this tickles your fancy, why don't you scoot on down pop a squat on Keller's couch. Bye. Highline Media Network. Artist-owned podcasts by normal people in normal places.